Amen. Beautifully given. At this time, our young friends are dismissed to junior church. That's grades one through six. And so if you have a young person with you, grades one through six, and you want to accompany them to junior church, you are always welcome to go back and see what it is that they're doing. Every single one of the vacations I've ever been on all had the same problem. They ended. I remember before I became a follower of Jesus Christ and before the Lord called me into ministry, I had set my own course on what my life would look like. And one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to make a lot of money and go on a lot of vacations. I loved to travel, but moreover, I loved the peace that they seemed to bring. And I've, I've been privileged to, to travel and take vacations in different places. And honestly, the best ones are where there's no cell phone coverage, where no one can get a hold of you and you can't get a hold of anybody. And when you're in those places, you can unwind, you can be uninterrupted, you can actually get sleep for a change, but they always end. Usually, when you come back, there's a mountain of work waiting for you and a ton of laundry at the very end. Is this really all the peace that we can expect in this life? I've really never met anybody that's had too much peace in their life. In fact, most folks that I talk to, regardless of age and stage in life, feel like they're drowning in stress, in worry, in problems. Where are we supposed to find peace? And I'm not talking about greeting card type peace. I'm talking about actual peace. Does a person ever really get to the place where they don't have any problems? Is it even possible to have peace in this life? Or do we just have to wait until heaven? And if it is possible, and we say we do know the Lord and God promises us peace, then why don't we have it? And if you've ever met somebody that does seem to have peace, it's almost like they're not paying attention to something. There's something different about them. And what is it? Well, let's visit the theme of peace on earth yet again in our series and find out how we can actually live on this earth with real peace. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in John chapter 14 to begin with this morning, John chapter 14, and we'll be reading one verse together, John chapter 14 and verse number 27. The word of God says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you'd add your blessing to the reading of it, that it might accomplish what you sent it forth to do this morning. Give me clarity of thought and speech and power to bring it forth. Give us all ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, the Lord Jesus Christ, the night before he dies, this is the night before he goes to the cross, has gathered together in a special room with his 12 closest followers. And he pours his heart out to them over multiple chapters of the Bible, preparing them for what is going to be the greatest trial of their lives and ministries that they've faced so far. Jesus is going away. He knows what's about to befall him, and he knows the test of the faith it will be to his disciples. They are about to face some serious trouble. They're about to face some serious trouble and that's where we find this verse that we read. Hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus Christ was born, we have this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. Oftentimes we read it 
when we come to the Christmas season, season in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Notice the many titles given to the Lord Jesus because he is so much to so many people. There's so much that comes when you know the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is the Prince of Peace. He is a ruler and truly of his government and power and authority there is no end. But there's also no end to his peace. It's talking about one day when the Lord Jesus Christ shall return to this earth and shall rule and reign from the throne of David, giving us a thousand years of righteousness and peace. But even more so, or at least in addition to that before so, the peace that he can bring to an individual life. Most rulers come with war and oppression, asking for your service and your money, but he comes to give us peace. When the angels heralded his birth in Luke chapter 2, They said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So if he is the Prince of Peace, And if he in his coming was heralded as peace on earth, why are we all still so worried? Why do we still have so much anxiety? Well, in John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking about peace. Back where we were in verse number 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. You see, Jesus was about to leave them. He wasn't going to be there physically present with them anymore. And when Jesus was there, do you know what he did? He handled all the problems. When they ran into some situation, Jesus was there to fix it. When there was a miracle that they didn't have the faith to perform, Jesus had the faith to perform it. When there was a demon plaguing somebody, a child that they didn't have the faith to cast out, Jesus took care of it. When they were brought to a place where they didn't even know what to say to their critics, to their enemies, Jesus always had the perfect thing to say. When they had needed food, Jesus was there to make sure they had it. When they had to pay taxes, when they were traveling, Jesus was able to make money appear from the most unusual places. Whenever they had any worries or questions, Jesus had the answer. But now, Jesus is leaving. Jesus is going to go. He knew that in just a few hours, he would be betrayed. He would be betrayed by one of the 12. He would be taken into custody. He'd be put on false trial. He'd be beaten, he'd be humiliated, and then he would be crucified. He knew that all of this was coming, and somehow, when he was gone, his disciples were going to have to continue on. Because though Jesus would rise again from the grave on the third day, and we say, praise God to that, he would never be with them the same way again. He would appear to the twelve, he would appear to hundreds of others after his death and resurrection, proving that he truly was the Son of God. He died publicly, and he was seen again publicly after his death and the witnesses were many 
but he would never be with them in the same way. They would never always be together and travel together. It wouldn't be day in and day out with Jesus. And so they needed peace. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to leave this peace with you. He says, I give it unto you. Do you know how you get the peace of Jesus Christ? You don't earn it. You don't have to come to church a certain number of days. You don't have to read so much in your Bible. It's not some sort of award that you can get. It is a gift that's given to you. And, and where do you have to go in order to get a gift? Well, you have to go to the person who's giving it. Imagine if somebody had a wonderful gift for you this Christmas season, and you knew that it was sitting there waiting for you, and they were desirous to give it to you, but you never made any time to stop over and see them. And you wondered to yourself, why don't I have that gift? They said that they were going to buy this for me. They said they were going to give this to me, and I don't yet have it. Where is it? Well, it's still with the giver, waiting for you to show up and to get it. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Jesus says there's two different types of peace. There's the kind of peace that the world gives, and then there's the kind of peace that Jesus Christ gives. The world is that whole way of living and thinking that we find outside in society today that leaves God completely out of it. It becomes very selfish and very wicked very quickly. And he says, there's a sort of peace that they promise out there. And you can get it, maybe, if you have enough money. Or if you don't have any health problems or any trouble. Or if you're always exercising. Or if you're always eating right. Or if you're always taking care of yourself. If you're, you're always doing the right thing, then you're going to have peace. But friend, there are plenty of rich people this morning that have no peace. There are plenty of people that have climbed all the way to the top of their corporation, of their rank in the military, of what you might call success, top students, and they still don't have any peace. They're still filled with worries. They're still filled with anxiety. One of the things that we find as we look back in history is those that have power, especially at the top, are always afraid of losing it. And so they scheme and they worry and they stay up late. I remember thinking to myself, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to be the president of the United States? But you spend all of that energy just to get to that spot. And then as soon as you get it, you have to start thinking about keeping it in the next four-year term. Sounds pretty miserable. And yet that is supposedly the most powerful person in the free world. And yet he doesn't have peace not because of the circumstances of the world. You can't go on enough vacations to have it. And so that peace is like an illusion. It looks pretty good, but it's not all that they offered. You ever, you ever order something off a menu and it looked delicious in the pictures on the menu and then they bring it out to your table or they serve it up and they call your number and you go and get it and you say, that is not what I ordered. It looked perfect in the picture, but what was actually delivered, huge disappointment. I don't know what I was thinking. One time I went to, I think it was called The Melt, and they have all sorts of different, all sorts of different uh, unusual grilled cheese sandwiches. And I got one, I don't know what I was thinking, but the picture looked great. It was one that had a burger patty and peanut butter on it. I, I have no idea why I ordered it other than the picture. I want to tell you when it showed up, disappointment. Did you know the peanut butter, when it gets warm, becomes very runny? a terrible moment the world's peace 
is an illusion. But Jesus says, I have something different than that. I have something far greater than that. And in fact, I leave it with you. I give it to you. I want you to have it. And he mentions it two different times over. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Why does he keep saying give? He's emphasizing the fact that it's something that we find only in him. And he wants you and I to have it. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I honestly, up until maybe a few years ago, maybe about five or six years ago, I didn't realize that I had any choice about being worried. I didn't realize that I had a choice. Here, Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. And it's like, well, thanks. That's helpful. Right? Have you ever been worried and someone came up to you and it's like, hey, stop worrying. You can do that. There's actually an option. Jesus was saying, you have a choice. You have a choice, disciples. You can either be crushed by the trouble that's about to come into your life. You can either be, as Satan said that he was going to sift them, they can be sifted with all of their stress. They can be burdened under by all of it, or they could choose to let not their heart be troubled. Now, if there's a choice... I know what I'm going to choose. But the question is, how do we actually choose that? Many people don't realize that they have a choice about it. The choice is either go to Jesus and find peace or don't and have troubled hearts. Are you afraid? Are you anxious? Are you stressed? Do you have trouble sleeping? Are there thoughts that keep running through your head? Have you ever played the what if game? Some of you have played the what-if game. I can see you shaking your head. I hold a high score at the what-if game. Remember in arcade games, you get to put your initials in when you got a high score? Well, if you play the what-if game, my initials are up there. Don't play that game. Do you, do, you, do you find yourself doing that? If so, I want you to know that Jesus' peace is the answer. Now, some people might just stop here and say, okay, the peace is in Jesus. And that was great, Pastor. How do I actually get it? Like, when does it get delivered to my house? When do I open it up and get the peace? Well, in Philippians chapter 4, would you turn there with me? In Philippians chapter 4. Perhaps it already came to your mind how we get the peace that Jesus offers. But I'm so glad that the Word of God spells it out for us because sometimes, many times, I need it spelled out. How do we actually get it? Philippians 4 in verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I used to sometimes quote verse number 7 by itself and leave out verse number 6. And you know what that's saying? That's like saying you can get a delicious meal somewhere. You can find a great sale somewhere and never telling the person where. You can find the answer to all your problems, but never actually telling them where they can get it. And it's connected in verse number six. It says, be careful for nothing. Again, great advice. Don't be anxious. Don't let anything ruffle you. Don't be worried about anything. You say, even the really big stuff? Even the really big stuff. 
even the life-changing, life-crushing, heartbreaking things, even those, be careful for nothing. Okay, then how? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer. Prayer. Now, there's two different things that perhaps come to your mind when, when I say prayer. One of them might be, I go to God, I tell him my problems, and I ask him to do something about it, and I don't feel any better. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been there? You have problems, legitimate problems, and you've heard that God hears and answers prayer. And we preach about a God who is mighty. And you go and you ask him. And you say, Lord, I need help. This is what's going on. And then nothing ever happens. You don't have peace in your heart afterwards. You say, what's missing? The faith that he's got this. The faith that he'll actually act. The belief that he's going to take care of it. There's only two people that I feel comfortable with driving me around. And maybe, maybe there's a third person on the horizon. Two people. One of them is my father. When we go on long trips together, and usually once a year we have something that we do together where we go down to West Virginia to a certain meeting, and we'll, we'll go down there, and I can sleep peacefully while my father is driving. Why? Because I completely trust him that he's got this. The other person is my wife. When she's driving, I can rest. I can get in the passenger seat, and I can... Now, I like to be driving because I get car sick very easily. But if I'm not driving, those are the only two people that I can feel comfortable with. You say, Pastor, you didn't mention your mother. No, I didn't. <laughs> she asks me to drive, which is just fine. Who's the third person? I think I'm almost comfortable with Brother Randy Johnson driving me around. After I saw his driving in India, I was shocked. If the whole missionary thing doesn't work out for him, he, he has a professional driving ability that he ought to look into. You say, how did you get that kind of peace where you could just rest? Didn't you know that there's cars whizzing by you and semis passing you and, and people not paying attention and they're on their phones while they're driving? By the way, don't put Columbia Road Baptist Church stuff on your car and drive while you're looking at your phone. Stop it. It's terrifying. But don't you know there's all those problems and they could take the wrong exit? There could be black ice on the road. You've got the slick weather out there now. Don't you know that you could pop a tire? Someone could leave something. Don't you know there's all that? Yes, those are all real, but I can still sleep. I can still have peace. Because I believe that whatever is going on, they've got this. In the same way, when you and I come to God in prayer... And we deliver over the burdens that are on our hearts, the things that have been weighing us down, keeping us up at night. We've been wringing our hands over. We've been scheming over. By the way, scheming is tiring. If you've never been a schemer, scheming is tiring. You say, what is scheming? Trying to solve the problem yourself. Well, if I just do a little more research, and if I just ask the right question, if I just move this person here and get that money placed there, and if I just take care and cover all my bases and get everything just right, then I'm going to have peace. Friend, that's the illusion of peace. That's the illusion of peace. That's not real peace. Real peace is going to God knowing he's got this. 
And I can deliver it to him and I can believe that he's going to do it. I watched this heartbreaking video of somebody running a forklift in a large warehouse where they had shelf upon shelf upon shelf. I think it was paper, reams and reams of paper. And somebody went too far with the forklift to pick up a pallet and the blades came out the other side. And when they started to lift it up, they moved the whole shelving system up with it and it dumped it. And this warehouse was enormous. And so not just one shelf fell and all the, the hundreds of thousands of, of sheets of paper, but the next one fell and the next one fell. It looked like someone set up dominoes and this person is in the forklift covered in boxes of paper. And you know what I did when I saw it? I said, oh my, and then I laughed. Do you know why? It's not my problem to pick that up. It's not my problem to fix that. It's not my problem to address what happened. No, that's somebody else's problem. Friend, when you have truly gone to God in prayer and you've delivered something that has been burdening you down over to him, you can then walk away saying, now it's someone else's problem. Now, the Lord, God Almighty, in all of his power, is the one who takes care of it. It says in verse number seven, the peace of God which passeth all understanding, the type of peace that God gives doesn't make any sense to people who don't know God. You probably met somebody that has demonstrated this kind of peace. In fact, it may be one of the reasons why you're even in church today because you met somebody that had a way of dealing with things that was so unlike what you and I deal with that we say, something's different about him. Something's different about her. I bet they just have a charmed life. I bet they have no problems. And then you find out, oh, they've got problems. But the way they deal with it, the way they deal with it, it passes understanding. It goes beyond what you and I are capable of grasping. So where is this peace found? It's found in prayer and in faith in Jesus Christ. Not the kind of prayer where we just throw up words, but where we actually trust and believe that God is going to work. Let's boil this down to some practical takeaways, shall we? Let's boil this down to some practical takeaways. First of all, make the choice to have peace. Make the choice to have peace. Jesus told the disciples, let's not. Meaning that they had a choice. They had a choice. The greatest trial of their lives was coming in the next hours, as we said, and they had to realize that, that there was a way for them to deal with that. I'm not sure that anybody other than the Apostle John really dealt with things and had any kind of peace about it. The rest of them seemed to just be filled with turmoil and run away or hide and scheme and try and solve the problems themselves. But it seemed like John had gotten a hold of this. Recognize that you have a choice about whether or not you're going to worry. I always thought worrying was like getting hungry. It's going to happen one way or the other. After a certain amount of time, it's just going to sneak up on you and it's a natural thing. Did you know that worry is sinful? That blew my mind when I heard that. Worrying is sinful. Why? Because what you're saying on the other side of it is, God doesn't have this. He's not big enough. He's not capable enough. He doesn't love me enough. He doesn't know enough. Whatever it is, the, the implied second part of that is sort of an insult against God because I'm super worried as though I have to take care of it myself. You and I have to make the choice to come to God with it. 
I have very little power or control over the things that matter most to me. I have very little power or control over the things that matter most to me. I can't control the health of my children. I can't control whether or not my wife is going to get in a car accident when she drives. I can't control my own health. I can't control the lives of the people that I love in this congregation. I can't control uh, whether uh, anything is really going to play out the way I want to. And if you were honest, you would admit the same thing. You say, I don't know about that, preacher. I have a lot of money. You might have a lot of money. But all of your money can't stop your loved ones from getting cancer. And all of your health insurance isn't going to be enough to see somebody through something if this is their time to go. You might say, I know people. I have connections. I have connections. You may know all the right people in order to get most problems solved. But those people can't keep your marriage healthy. Those people can't keep your relationship with your children what it ought to be. You might say, I have, uh, I have five, six college degrees. I'm a wise person. I've read just about everything you could get your hands on. That's wonderful. But you don't know if somebody is going to blow a tire on the, on the highway and careen into your vehicle and change your life forever. You may just wake up one day and something may be wrong. You just may be ill. These are things that matter so much to us and yet we have no control over them. You're like, thanks, Pastor. That was encouraging. So glad I came to church today. I just found out that I'm one blown tire away from having my life ruined. Yes, if you stop listening here. Once we realize how very little control we have about the things that matter most to us, then one of two things will happen. Either we will forget God and we will be buried in worry and stress and anxiety. Or we'll remember God and we'll have peace. How does remembering God give you peace? Friend, we can't do it anyway. We can't do it anyway. And once you realize you can't do it anyway, once you realize you can't fix everything, you can't solve everything, you can't line everything up, whether it's by strength of personality or physical prowess or your great intellect, once we realize that we can't do what needs to be done, we can leave it and say, you know what? God's got this. The Lord has this. Make the choice to have peace. Second of all, go to God for peace, not the world. Go to God for peace, not the world. It's an illusion. It seems to offer it, but it's an illusion. I remember being a boy, and this is a little bit gross. Forgive me for a second. This is a little bit gross. I remember my mom telling me to stop picking at my scabs because they'll never get better if I do. Boys are gross, aren't they? Maybe you had all very well-behaved, well-groomed gentlemen boys in your house, but I was gross, and so I would mess with that. Stop picking at it or it's never going to heal. Friend, our best attempts... We're just keep picking at the problem. And we're only going to make it worse. Well, maybe if I make this phone call, maybe if I send this email, maybe if I go and show up, maybe if I say this, maybe if I had said that, maybe if I put money or apply pressure or, or threaten or cajole, maybe if I do just this thing, maybe if I make this threat, I'm going to get what I want. And then, once I have all of my problems pinned down, 
and I can see a clear playing field and I've got everything taken care of and all my pieces in order, then I'm going to feel comfortable and have peace. By the way, it never works like that. I have tried it. Anybody there with me? Any, any schemers? Yeah. And we think, boy, that's, that's peace. That's an illusion. But the Lord, he offers peace that passes understanding. The problems are never going to let up. That's the thing about vacations. They always end. And that's the thing about having everything under control. You have it all under control until you don't. Because you never know what's coming next. God controls everything. And he loves his children. By the way, are you one of God's children? Are you one of God's children? I'm not asking if you're a good person or a bad person. I'm not asking if you're a member of this church or any other church. I'm not asking if you pay your taxes on time and help people cross the street and give food to the, to the hungry. I'm not asking any of those things. When I ask if you're a child of God, I'm asking, has there ever been a time when by faith you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and be your Savior? Do you believe that God's Son became a man without ceasing to be God and lived a sinless life and died in your place, died for you, died as you, and rose from the grave? If you have believed on the Lord, then you are a child of God. You say, I thought we were all children of God. We are all most certainly God's creation. But a child involves a relationship. A child involves a relationship. It says in verse number 12 in John chapter 1, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you want to know how you become a daughter of God or a son of God? It's by believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have that, you are one of his children. And let me tell you, you get a father who you can fall asleep to while he's driving, who you can truly believe has got this. Many believers want peace, but they look for it in the wrong place. So let's go to God for peace and not the world. Finally, commit all your worry to God in prayer. Commit all your worry to God in prayer. The peace of Jesus is only found in prayer. I know I've asked myself, well, how does prayer do anything? I feel like I'm just talking. Some people who have a very low view of prayer and subsequently a very low view of God, they think it's just... It's just something that helps me feel better. I just get it off my chest. I talk about all of these things. And once I'm done talking about all of these things, I feel better. Friend, if that is all your prayer life is, you are missing out. Because when I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am praying to an all-powerful God who knows everything, knows the end from the beginning, and can change the heart of men, women, boys, girls, the hand of the leaders, the heart of the leaders are in his hand, and he can turn it wherever he wants to, who can make circumstances arrive just as he wants them to. Things I could never put together are child's play for someone so great as him. God hears and answers, and when we deliver it to him and we leave it there, oh, isn't that the thing? Leave it there. There's a song that says, Take your burdens to the Lord. And walk away and keep worrying about it. No, take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. I have now committed it to that person. Some of you work in a shop or in an office environment where you do a certain part of a job and then you hand it off to someone else. 
You do a certain part of a job and then you hand it off to someone else. I want you to know that we can hand it off to someone else and he's really going to do what he says he's going to do. Once we've turned it over to him and we believe that he can and will do what's best for us, we have peace. I am thoroughly convinced that God knows better than me. Thoroughly convinced. Because I've tried it my way and it hasn't worked out so great. I thought I knew what was the best and it turns out I was wrong. And then God gets involved and he starts doing things and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, I don't like that. But in the end, oh, so much better than I could have asked for. Are you worried about your health? Turn it over to the Lord. Are you worried about a relationship, about work, about school, about the future and decisions, about bills that have to be paid by the end of the month, about just making it another day? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine that you have a father. You have an earthly father who is unbelievably wealthy. Unbelievably wealthy. Very well connected. Local government, state government, federal government. He's famous. He's famous. His name carries great weight. You drop his name and people pay attention. He's wise and powerful. And he's proven his love and commitment to you every single day of your life. He's never given you any reason to doubt him. He's never had a bad day. He's not fickle. He doesn't get upset with you and then is unreasonable. He's not trying to find things wrong with you. He's always trying to find the best in you. When you ask for forgiveness, he always gives it. Never loses his cool. This is your dad. Every problem you've ever brought to him before, he's solved it. I want you to think what going through life with a father like that would be like. I want you to think what having a father like that would be like. What would life be? be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? You have a father, child of God, in heaven, even greater than that. Because the best that a man can do here on earth, with all of the tools and the resources that earth has to offer, still pales in comparison to what our heavenly father can do. And so if you and I will see him as high and holy and powerful and lifted up, if we see him and all of his commitment and all of his love, you and I can deliver things into his care and we can have peace. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. When he came, they heralded peace on earth because the Lord himself is the Prince of Peace. And when he came, peace came with him. The question will be for you and I is do we know the Lord? And second of all, have we made the decision to have peace by delivering all these things into his hands? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment? We have in our church what we call a time of invitation where we invite you to act on whatever it is that the Lord has spoken to you about. And I don't know what it is that God has spoken to you about today, but I hope he has. I believe that God really does in that still small voice, also through his word, speaks to us, meets the needs that we have. Perhaps he's spoken to you today because your life is filled with turmoil. It's filled with stress, so many questions, so few answers, so many problems, so few solutions, so little sleep, so little rest, and it doesn't stop. 
It's just one thing after another after another, and you say, can't I just catch a break? Maybe that's you today. If it is, if it is, I want you to know that the Father says, come. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Father, that heavenly Father, who has all these things cared for, says, come. Will you come to him today? If you don't know Christ as Savior, I want you to know that's where it begins. Before you can have the peace of God, you need to have peace with God. You see, your sin, my sin, it separates us from God. Sin is when God says, don't do something that's bad, and we do it anyway. Or when God says, do something good, and we say, no, I can't be bothered for that. That's sin. And that sin separates us from God, and it makes us so that we cannot go to heaven. But God, in his great mercy, made a way for our sin to be forgiven. He couldn't just pretend it didn't happen. He couldn't just say that it wasn't wrong because he's a just God. And so someone had to pay for it. And the Lord Jesus Christ is that someone. God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you've never asked the Lord to forgive your sins and be your savior tonight, excuse me, today is the day to do that. I want to encourage you in just a moment as we stand and sing together. Pastor Steve will be down here at the front as I make ready to baptize and you can slip out of your seat and say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm saved, but I sure would like to. I'd like to have the peace of God. A gentleman with a gentleman, a lady with a lady, someone will take you aside privately and show you from God's word how you can know that your sins are forgiven, that you have eternal life, that heaven is your home. You can get that settled today. No peace like that peace. Believer, have you been scheming? Have you been trying in your own strength, trying to patch up every hole, trying to dot every I, cross every T? You keep looking and picking and working and trying, and in fact, it's just making things worse. And you need real rest. You need real peace. I don't even know what it's about. But I know that it says in everything by prayer and supplication. You can bring everything, all of your problems to God, no matter how big or small they are, there's peace for you. Will you take it today? Will you receive the gift that Jesus offers? Will you actually take your burden to the Lord and leave it there? What a miserable thing it is for us to live underneath that when there's such great peace on the other side of believing prayer. Perhaps you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism and you want to get that process started. Or, or maybe you want to put your life and influence in this church as a member. But whatever it is that God has spoken to you about, would you say yes to him? Father, we take this time and we ask for you to work in our hearts. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your patience and your grace. I thank you for the peace that the Lord Jesus offers. May we all receive it. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together.